Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Through Pierre, on another terrific, terrifying Tuesday morning, friends, for Torch Report 371. The FBI, the CIA, and the DOJ will rig the 2024 election, or will they? What do we know? What do we expect? There's really only one question that matters now, and that is, are we going to take it? We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. Now, news about a former national security advisor, Miss Katie McFarland, has a, she, she's out there predicting that the deep state, the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ is going to rig the 2024 election. And it's that that story starting to gain some traction, which is actually kind of surprising to me, but it's only gaining traction in certain circles. So I think it's kind of a limited hangout sort of a deal. But to whatever extent this story gets dripped into the mainstream headlines, I do believe that it's only intended to stir the pot and prop up the narrative about a hung election and a civil war. Kind of like how that great big U-Haul truck came smashing into the uh, White House fence, you know, carrying nothing but a Nazi flag, which was conveniently then spread out on the ground for people to snack pics of and post to social media and all that. So I got a little picture picture here in the in the report today, friends. Please know if you're listening on a podcast platform, you just have to go check out thetorchreport.com where you can find these spiffy screenshots. You can see that Nazi flag for yourself and know that this was, in fact, a white supremacist attack on the White House. Meanwhile, in loony lefty land, the story is that a Nazi has been charged with targeting the president of the United States. And uh, I put a little screenshot in here from Mediaite, and it just shows a just-in driver with Nazi flag charged for targeting the president after truck crashes the White House security barrier. But look at the number of comments here. 5,508 comments. That's actually more than all of the people who live in uh, little old Goldendale. So that's kind of telling. You know, this is people are buying this. And of course, it should be clear that the, this Nazi assault on the White House is meant to bolster the parroted narrative that white supremacists are the most extreme threat facing our nation today. Let me ask you, you know, You've heard Biden say that, I'm sure. You've you've caught wind of it. It's been repeated over and over and over again. Biden calls white supremacy the most dangerous terrorist threat. You know, white supremacy, most lethal threat to American uh, to America, Biden says. Biden officials testify that white supremacists are great domestic terrorists and th uh, threats and on and on and on. White supremacists are the biggest domestic terrorism threats, blah, blah. Here's why. Biden is calling white supremacy America's most dangerous terrorist threat. Oh, man. Biden calls white supremacy the greatest terrorism threat as 2024 looms. Friends, let me ask you, do you believe that white supremacy is the greatest terrorism threat to our country right now? Do you believe that? How many people do you think believe that? Let me ask you this. Do you trust the testimony of the United States Attorney General and the Secretary of Homeland Security? 
Garland and Mayorkas. Do you trust those guys? I mean, surely the U.S. Attorney General and the, and the Homeland Security, they're, they're looking out for the best interest of our country, right? I mean, surely they know what's really going on out there, right? I mean, gosh, who do we trust? You know, these are the, the top law officials in the land, and, and they have testified before Congress. I mean, with the hand on the Bible, baby, they are telling the truth that white supremacists are the greatest threat to our national security. Straight from the horse's mouth, quote, both Garland and Mayorkas testified that white supremacist groups pose the most serious domestic national security threat in the U.S., reinforcing what analysts have long concluded about far-right organizations, period, end quote. Now, according to their telling of the story... It was the violent right-wing extremists and white supremacists who stormed the Capitol on January 6th and tried to interrupt the hallowed, democratic, peaceful transition of power. And it's an absolutely ludicrous assertion. Just on its face, it's absolutely absurd. But do not miss out on the fact that they are rewriting history right now. That's what the show trials are all about. They're doing it right before our eyes. And do not forget that the media, don't forget about the media purging, the blacklisting, the state censorship, and the rigged election. Don't forget about the weaponized federal government and the weaponized AI. Don't forget about the Baltic Sea bombing and the hammer-wielding hippie and the Twitter files and the Durham report or the incredible transition that's fundamentally transforming American society. We can't forget about those things because that's the context of what the hell is going on right now. And within that context, I would contend we should not expect anything to change. Even with a former national security advisor advising us that our national security has been compromised, even with that, don't expect anything to change. As I noted yesterday, former Deputy National Security Advisor KT McFarland just blew the whistle, claiming that the FBI, the Justice Department, and the CIA are planning to rig the upcoming 2024 U.S. presidential election. And in reality, we should expect nothing less. That's all part of the plan, friends. It's all part of the plan. And basically, that's what McFarland is saying. Look, they've done it twice before, 2016, 2020 midterms. And so that we should expect that they're going to do it again because they have too much to lose if they don't. I mean, can you imagine if a if a Republican got elected and Republican majorities in Congress got elected and then there could really be some investigations and accountability? Can you imagine them letting that happen? Probably not, you know, but now I just want to make a couple of quick points here just to be real clear. First, numero uno, primo, anybody in their right mind can easily see that things need to change right now. We can't have this, uh, these, you know, these contested elections and all these questions and it takes weeks to figure it out and, and mysterious ballots showing up out of nowhere and, and, you know, an erosion of trust in the process. That's not good for our country. So things need to change. And in theory, blatant political corruption and lawlessness should transcend partisan politics, meaning we should be able to to get together and have a conversation with people about this and be like, gosh, I mean, election integrity is kind of important. How else do we know whether or not our elections are legit? The second thing that I want to point out 
is that anyone who has not already been assimilated into the collective cult should want things to change right now. People should be ready to fight and work for these changes. It's going to take hard damn work, but it, it, we got to get ready for that. We got to do that. Okay. And one more point, friends, if things don't change, America is doomed. You know, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got. If we don't do anything, we're going to just, you know, take this crazy train ride off a cliff. Now, still, don't expect things to change. Do not expect things to change. Nothing is going to change unless you do something to change it, unless I do something to change it, unless we do something to change it. But it comes back to you. It comes back to me. It comes back to we. Okay. If you do everything that you can do to change what's going on right now, probably nothing's going to change, right? I mean, just being honest, you're just one person. You're a small fry, you know, a, a little fish in a great big pond. But, but if you could get all your friends and all your family on board with making some changes and everybody you talk to on social media and they're on board with it and making some changes, what then? What, what might happen then? Nothing changes. That's what's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But what, but, 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 but what if you got everyone in your neighborhood, everyone in your small town on board with making some changes? What then? What do you think is going to happen then? Nothing's going to change. Can you imagine trying to get everyone in a mid-sized town, say 50,000 people, or everyone in a medium-sized county, say 100,000 people on board with making some changes? Say like cleaning up voter rolls and champing uh, election integrity kind of stuff. You, you think, can you imagine? How about just trying to get a slight majority of people in your area to agree on what changes need to be made and how to go about making them? Can you imagine trying to do that? And you might be thinking, Luke, Luke, what the hell are you talking about here, buddy? Come on. And friends, what I'm saying is that even if you could summon, if you could muster, if you could conjure up enough people to constitute a majority in your area, even if you got everyone to agree as to what needs to change and how to make that happen, then what? Then what? Nothing changes. That's it, friends. Now, I'm not trying to be grim here. I'm not trying to be discouraging. I am an optimist through and through. And as such, I do believe, you know, that where there's a will, there is a way. But, but I am also a realist and I don't believe that we can solve a problem that we don't properly understand and we can't fix something if we don't face it. So the proceeding, you know, back and forth there, try to imagine what it would be like to try to get a majority of people in your area on board with making some necessary changes. That that's, that's the reality. It's not an easy thing to do. And even if we did, that still doesn't root out the systemic corruption and rot at the highest levels of the, uh, the land. Now there are plenty of people, you know, who understand things are messed up. There are plenty of people who can see that things are wrong right now. But are there enough people to who are willing to get off their asses and do something about it? That's really what it boils down to. Are there enough people willing to put their heads together and take action? That's the question. We need to shine light on that underlying predicament, the fact that there are not enough people who care enough to actually take uncomfortable action and do something about it. Have you seen any massive gatherings of liberty-loving Americans protesting all of this political corruption? Aside from J6, have you seen that anywhere? Because I have not, friends, I haven't. And if you look at what's going on, you would think that Americans would be in the streets. They'd be up in arms about what the hell is going on here. But from what I've seen, 
you know, it's hard enough just to try to find somebody who's willing to step up and run for the school board or for city council or for any other elected position. You know, but how could that be when things are so messed up and so many people can see that things are so messed up? How can we we, we can't even find people to run for these positions? The apathy is insane. The distractions are real. But more importantly, friends, so is the mental manipulation. The fact that people are apathetic and distracted, that's not by accident. That's the real issue here. The, you know, the psychological warfare, they control the narrative, they control the language, and by doing so, they control the beliefs and the behavior of the majority of people. And, you know, by doing this and keeping people kind of locked in this house of mirrors and, you know, ooh, ooh, ah, wow, wow, what's that? Butterfly, you know, oh my gosh, that's not right, you know, Black Lives Matter, come on, you know, we can't have all these racist white supremacists crashing U-Hauls into the White House, holy smokes, Nazis are everywhere, you know. Of course, it's not true, but that's the narrative and that's the language, the beliefs and the behavior that people have. And until we deal with that, really nothing changes. And until we deal with that, things are only going to get worse. We have to deal with it. And the question is, the only operative question is how, how, how now, brown cow, tell me now, how do we deal with it? And the answer is simple by talking to people, period. Now. When I say that, I know there's a few people in the listening audience who may be thinking, Luke, you damn pacifist. But friends, it's not a pacifist statement. Talking to people is crit is a critically important element of getting ourselves out of this mess. Whether you think it's ultimately going to happen through voting or through violence, the need is the same. We need to get more people on our side motivated enough to do something about what's going on. Now, I was recently in a conversation. I heard a man making a case for some massive strikes. Like, we need to have massive strikes all across the country. If we did that, we could bring it all to a halt. And I thought, wow, great idea. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Because he, he was pushing back. I was saying, you know, we need to, we need to be talking to people. He said, no, we need to be getting people to strike. Da, da, da. I'm like, fine. Okay. Who's going to strike? Are you going to strike? Are you going to strike? Are you, are you going to get 10 other people to strike? What if you got every person that you knew ready to strike? How many people would that be? Is it enough? How are they going to communicate and coordinate their, their efforts all across the country? How are they going to win the public messaging campaign and gain the public support for interrupting everybody's lives? How is it going to happen? And again, we run into the same barrier here. There simply are not enough people who care enough to go on a massive strike. So, how do we get more people on board with peaceful noncompliance, with civil disobedience, with strikes and protests and fighting for a future worth having? How do we do that? We have to talk to people. We have to build trust. We have to build a network. You know, we, we have to we have to do these things first. That's the that's the foundation for an effective opposition. You you think you got some strategy that's going to beat this beast? Awesome. Please share it, you know, but to have any chance at success, you're going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to build trust and develop a network of highly motivated, like-minded individuals, some fellow liberty-loving Americans who are going to stand up, roll up the sleeves and work alongside you to make it happen. Friends, it all starts with a conversation. So knock yourself out. I'd say talk to as many people as you can, but be intentional about it. Be intentional and be wise about it, you know, but even then. Is anything going to change? Probably not. 
You know, you start talking to people and then like, oh, well, nothing's changing. I'm talking about things are not changing. Come on, Luke. See, it was a waste of time to talk to people. Things aren't changing. Well, friends, things aren't changing right now. They're not changing right away, but don't give up here. It took a long time to get into this mess. It's going to take a long time to get out of it or longer than, you know, it's not going to just happen overnight. And but like this, you know, there are elected politicians who are speaking the truth. And they're calling out this corruption. They're doing it in the halls of Congress. You know, the, the Matt Gates, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, et cetera, the Freedom Caucus, you know, but those are the fringe minority in the in the in the chambers of Congress. And what happens? Nothing. OK, so they get media attention. They get press releases. Uh, they get to be a talking head on TV. But what happens? Nothing. Or they maybe they get ridiculed. They get uh, they get ostracized or what have you, they get held up as an example of what's wrong with our country because they're speaking the truth to power. That's what's wrong with our country. And according to the uh, the inverted, distorted liberal mindset, at any rate, some of these elected representatives have even stood on the House floor, called it like it is. We got to investigate, demanding accountability, but, but nothing happens. They run investigations, they document the corruption, but nothing happens. Friends, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to identify the pattern here. You know, why is the corrupt political class getting away with increasingly bold lawlessness? Lawlessness abounds. Why are they getting away with it? Well, because they can and nothing happens. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Are we going to do nothing? We can't just do nothing, friends. That's not acceptable. You know, talk is cheap goes the old saying, but that doesn't mean that talk cannot be effective. Okay. If you are surrounded by a gang of thugs who are trying to take your money at gunpoint and threatening your life, I bet you'd start talking pretty fast. Wouldn't you, <laughs> you know, either that or you'd stand up and fight, right? But the fight might be in vain unless you talk to some friends, you could talk some friends into coming to your aid. So you'd have to convince people to stand by your side and risk getting punched in the face or worse or what have you. But either way, whether you're trying to talk yourself out of it, you're trying to talk support, you know, you're talking is essential to your survival, right? That's why talking to people is so important. Your opinion, your perspective, your personal testimony, when you speak with conviction about what's going on, it affects people. I believe that direct human interaction, those face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart -heart conversations is critical to any strategy to overcoming all of these obstacles that are between where we're at today and the blessings of liberty that our forefathers fought and died for. We're a long ways away from a constitutional republic, the land of the free and the home of the brave, okay? Long ways away from that. And to get from where we're at to where we need to be, back to the life, life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness provided to us by our forefathers who fought and died for our freedoms, uh, we got some things to deal with. But, you know, we're going to have to start talking to people, okay? We're going to have to start telling our side of the story more convincingly. We need to tell people that we no longer live in a free country. Now we live in a politically corrupt and morally bankrupt banana re republic, you know, wishing that that wasn't so doesn't change this reality. Expecting things to miraculously change on their own is only wishful thinking. Believing that the political establishment that is facilitating this corruption is going to somehow fix this corruption is nothing more than false hope. Friends, thinking that there's going to be any person, any one man in the land who can fix everything, that's also false hope. And false hope will be fatal to our country. Now, 
in the uh, the CIA manual for psychological operations in guerrilla warfare, which, by the way, just got dropped off on my doorstep this morning. I'd ordered it online and it finally got here and I was looking through it. It was written for rebels who are fighting against oppressive socialist governments. Uh, and, and that's important because it's relevant to where we're at right now. But it offers an insight into mounting an effective opposition. And I just felt like it was really timely because I'd written most all of this report when I heard the truck pull up and I, I ran out. And I was like, oh, rip it open. Wow, this is perfect. Flip back to the last page. We'll get to the last page here in a second. But a little excerpt here, quote from the CIA manual, manual for guerrilla warfare. Too often we see guerrilla warfare from the point of view of combat actions. This view is erroneous and extremely dangerous. Combat actions are not the key to victory in guerrilla warfare, but rather form a part of one of the six basic efforts, which we're not going to get into all that right now. But every member of the struggle should know that his political mission is as important, if not more important than his tactical mission, period, end quote. The political mission is to talk to people and persuade them, plant the seeds, water the seeds. We need to grow uh, alliances and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the last chapter of the, of the uh, book finishes with this line. It says, the history of revolutionary wars has shown this reality. Okay, the history of revolutionary wars has shown this reality. When it comes to casting off the crown or casting off tyranny, overcoming oppression, you have to talk to people. It's not just about combat. It's about building relationships, building public support, building coalitions, building alliances, building a team that can stand together to stare down the beast of tyranny. And therefore, friends, talking to people is the most important task that we have right now. Please help me spread the word. That is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not. Hey, by the way, there's only a handful of people, thousands and thousands of people listen or read the Torch Report every week, but there's just a handful of people who click that little heart. It makes my heart soar like a hawk. I really mean it a lot to me, but it also boosts the rankings in the algorithm. So it's important. And if you're getting something out of this report, the torch report, please share it. That's the greatest honor, but please take the time to find that heart on the website. Click it, go through on your lunch break. Click, 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 click a bunch of hearts. Give me a bunch of love. And I would, I would be uh, grateful for that. So with that said, friends, get out there and embrace the rest of this terrific Tuesday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh.